0: welcome to the on your left podcast the politics podcast that's probably to your left my name is katrina ames and i use she them pronouns
1: and i'm narali Sheth, and i use she her pronouns we are in your feeds every wednesday um so be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button whatever button there is um do that and then share the podcast with your friends and then talk about it with your friends
0: if you want to help us make this podcast even better and have a couple dollars to spare consider supporting us on patreon at patreon.com slash on your left pod this isn't one of our usual podcasts as i'm sure many of you know my now supreme court justice ruth bader ginsburg recently passed away and we're sad
1: it's it's very upsetting and um It's both a shock and not a shock, because she has been held up as, like, this extremely strong person who will do anything for this country, including just stay alive, um, by sheer stubbornness. Um, however, um, on Rosh Hashanah, after a long battle with pancreatic cancer, she passed away, unfortunately. Um... It's
0: just sad. I was informed by my Jewish friends uh, that it is traditional to say, may her memory be a blessing when someone of the Jewish faith passes away. And I truly believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's memory is a blessing to so many of us, uh, just in our democracy, but also to the people who knew her personally. She was important as a figure, she was
1: important as someone who decided the future of this country for a very long time, but she was also important as someone with a family with people who loved
0: her yeah, she I mean she was she was a lot of things and I think what's getting lost in a lot of the obituaries that I've been reading is that she was a person uh, she was a person who loved opera in bonded with Anthony Scalia over their mutual love of opera, uh, despite not agreeing about most other things. (laughs) She was a mom, and a grandmother, and a great-grandmother, and she collected lace uh, yabbits from around the world, and she was one of the nine women in her class of 500 students at Harvard Law. She was a person. I feel like not
1: even an hour after I heard She passed away. People were giving their opinions, giving their hot takes, and trying to figure out what would happen with the Supreme Court. But we felt that um, we wanted to make space to just talk about her and not what would happen next. It's very hard right now. The election is coming up, obviously. But, yeah, we just wanted to make space for that.
0: Yeah, well we'll get to that uh yeah we will but i think it's important to actually honor her legacy because my first feeling when i heard was an overwhelming sense of fear and dread and i just began crying and crawled into my bed and put a little blanket over myself to make a burrito mm-hmm. and i don't think that was a bad reaction or the wrong reaction but i yeah. don't think that was the feeling i would have felt if we weren't like slipping into an authoritarian state yes and i i think ruth bader ginsburg deserves better than our fear
1: she really does so let's talk about her a little bit let's talk about her life a little bit and then we'll talk about everything else so one thing that has actually been brought up a lot lately is her jewish upbringing because she did pass um on a major jewish holiday um rosh hashanah Um, Her Jewish upbringing was hugely important to her and to the Jewish community. Um, She grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, and uh, went to synagogue, was a practicing Jew, um, growing up at least. And it was hugely important that someone of her caliber and of her power in the United States
0: was Jewish. There have been in our history eight Jewish Supreme Court justices and one Supreme Court justice with no known religious affiliation Uh, the rest I believe have been Christian we live in a very Christian society um mm, you know what I'm not the person that should be saying talking about this (laughs) but
1: we do live in an extremely Christian society, and we also live in an extremely male-dominated society, even in 2020. So you can imagine, growing up, how many barriers Ginsburg had to break through to get to where she was, and how much she had to sacrifice, and how much harder she had to work than her male peers.
0: Ruth Bader Ginsburg was only the second woman appointed to the United States Supreme Court in history uh, a court that's existed for hundreds of years with multiple participants and uh every single woman that has ever served on the supreme court did so during our lifetime wow <laughs> and that's like I, I can name all of them and it i don't even think i need to use like my second hand to count them off
1: who is it it's it's ginsburg sotomayor um what's her name Sandra Day O'Connor. Yep. Who else?
0: Uh, There's Elena Kagan. Elena Kagan, right. That's it. Four. Four women on the Supreme Court, and we just named them, and Mm. it didn't take very long. No, no.
1: I I named 75% of them off the top of my head, (laughs) and the last one was appointed by our
0: previous president, so not very long. You might be saying that there haven't been, like, that many people on the Supreme Court. You would be wrong. Uh, (laughs) I mean, yes, there's a lot of overlap because there are multiple people uh, on the Supreme Court, but there have been 114 Supreme Court justices to date. 110 have been men. That is a 96.5% rate of just men. Wow. That is
1: too close to 100 for comfort um i now understand when um ginsburg said uh she just wanted an all-female supreme court
0: (laughs) that one time yep i mean ruth Bader ginsburg was appointed in 1993 so just before we were born uh just before what they called the first year of the woman when like twenty-three women would assume political office in our federal government, Mm -hmm. which is a tiny amount. Yeah. (laughs) But I always felt really lucky that I got to be born after the year of the woman. And then I came of age and got to live in a time when I saw gender equality advancing really rapidly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also always felt really, really lucky that... In 2018 I got to be an adult and campaign on work on behalf of women running for office because it was another year of the woman and now women are like one fifth of the House of Representatives it's a little low but progress progress
1: being the uh, second woman appointed to the US Supreme Court Um, is not the first time, uh, Ginsburg has faced, uh, gender discrimination and taking it head-on, um, and broken barriers. Uh, while on staff at Rutgers, uh, she learned that her salary was lower than that of her male colleagues, um, so she joined an equal pay campaign with other female teachers and, uh, got raises for the women, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, that is really, really great. Um, Also, last week we did an episode on labor and on union rights, and go listen to it. Yeah. (laughs) I think I made the point last week that when we are joining unions and when we are fighting for workers' rights, we have to fight for the most marginalized workers. Mm -hmm. And even though uh, women aren't technically a minority, we're half of the country, half of the world population, just about uh we, women are treated uh poorly and we live in a patriarchal society so joining an equal pay campaign with other female teachers resulted in racism for the women but it helped every worker because the ones most at risk were not put in more risk
1: yeah um and just a reminder that the wage gap is still a real thing, um, and, uh, what white women make to men, to white men on the dollar, uh, is a huge gap, but even bigger is what black women and what Latinx women make in comparison to the white
0: male dollar. There are gaps between race and, um, gender for what people make that Uh, Even when you account for education and experience, those gaps still exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, when when she was
1: on staff at Rutgers, this was after she had graduated from uh, Columbia Law after being at both Harvard and Columbia. Imagine going to two, two Ivy Leagues during the course of law school and then and then just not getting paid enough. I I can't imagine it. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: hate it. Yeah. I think one of the best things we can do to honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg is to continue her legacy and fight for gender equality. For example, uh, in 1996, she authored a groundbreaking decision that ordered the Virginia Military Institute to admit women, which ended a 157-year tradition (laughs) of all-male education at the state-funded public school. A public a
1: public school, uh not letting women in. In ninety-six, we
0: were we were two years old. This was uh already after there were rules in place that said you could not discriminate on the basis of sex. Mm-hmm. Which is also another thing that Ruth bader Ginsburg gave us. But oh my god, did we still do it and do we still do it? And in
1: another case, uh, she objected to a ruling that said workers may not sue their employers over unequal pay caused by discrimination alleged to have begun years earlier. Um, this case had been filed by Lily Ledbetter, who was the only female supervisor at a tire plant in Alaska, um, who sued after determining that she was paid less than her male coworkers. Um, So again, she was all about the intersection of um, gender equality and
0: um, labor rights. After that case happened, Barack Obama signed a law on January 29th, 2009, very early in his presidency that called the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, which required employers to redouble their efforts to ensure that their pay practices are non-discriminatory and to make certain that they keep the records needed to prove the fairness of pay decisions.
1: That's extremely important. They can't just shred the paperwork and then say you have no proof.
0: It also changed how workers can sue their employers over discrimination uh, because it's not starting from the beginning of when you got hired and any unequal pay that started with that, but it instead starts now from when you realize you were being discriminated against, which could be years after working for a company. So you can sue after you quit for the damages you experienced while you were there? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. It's it's a simplification, Mm -hmm. but we're not lawyers and this is not a law podcast, so... If you think you're being discriminated against, please talk to a real lawyer and get actual legal
1: advice. Yeah, we are not a legal advice podcast. We are not lawyers. We don't have law degrees. Even
0: before um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg became really well-known, she cared about these issues. She cared because after graduating from Cornell Law School, after she got married and got pregnant, she lost a job. Uh, She was pregnant, and she lost her job at the social security office because of it. So she had to become a typist instead. I mean, she went to Harvard Law and Columbia Law and graduated near the top of her class for both. She joined the Harvard Law Review, one of the most prestigious publications in the country. But because she was a mother, a woman, because she was Jewish, she could not find work in New York City at a law firm. No law firm! In the city of New York, was willing to hire this highly qualified person. It's always interesting
1: how personal the political can be, um, especially for someone who is directly responsible for some of our rights.
0: Sandra Day O'Connor also went through a very similar thing when she finished law school. Nobody would hire her. She had to, she in order to work as a lawyer, she offered an office that she would work for free, just in order to get a job. Jesus.
1: I really hope that no one listening is currently at an unpaid internship. That's all I hope. Yep. Everyone deserves to
0: get paid for their labor. Because these women argued in courts for better, because they sat on the Supreme Court, all of our lives got better. I definitely uh, disagreed with both Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg on some things but without a doubt I think their existence and such a high-profile public job as supremely qualified people (laughs) have served us all so so well
1: yeah we have never known a life where
0: there hasn't been A supreme court justice
1: who was a woman Um, in
0: 1991 a poll found that 53 percent of americans felt it was important that there always be at least one woman on the court and you know years later after sandra day o'connor stepped down from the court leaving justice ginsburg as the lone remaining woman only one in seven persons polled found essential that a woman be nominated to replace o'connor o'connor's replacement wasn't a woman just the fact that we could get half of the population to agree to the fact that women belong in the places where decisions are being made, to quote Ruth Bader Ginsburg, was kind of impressive back then. Mm-hmm. Granted, I think that means that half of the people they polled were women, but I think it was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, we really want
1: to touch on um one of Ginsburg's major platforms, which was... Uh, the right to choose Um, Ginsburg was extremely outspoken on abortion rights Um, however her opinion on Roe versus Wade specifically was really complicated. Um, While she wanted everyone to have access to abortion um, she wanted a less sweeping version of the decision.
0: Just like everyone knows this is a direct quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg it does use not technical language, but she is very precise uh, in how she speaks about this.
1: Yeah, because it is complicated, and we we wanted to get it right, so we wanted to use her own words. The 7-2 judgment in Roe v. Wade declared violated of the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, a Texas criminal abortion statute that intolerably shackled a woman's autonomy. The Texas law accepted from criminality only a life-saving procedure on the ba- behalf only a life-saving procedure on behalf of the pregnant woman, Suppose the court had stopped there, rightly declaring unconstitutional the most extreme brand of the law in the nation, and had not gone on as the court did in Roe, to fashion a regime blanketing the subject a set of rules that displaced virtually every state law then in force. Would there have been the 20-year controversy that we have witnessed reflected most recently in the Supreme Court's splintered decision in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, a less-encompassing road, one that merely struck down the extreme Texas law and went no further on that day, I believe, and will summarize why, might have served to reduce rather than to fuel controversy. So basically, that means... She felt that there wouldn't have been such a blatant attack on abortion rights had Roe versus Wade been less extreme in its ruling.
0: So I read a lot of things uh, that both Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg have written. Uh, I do this series on my YouTube channel called 1000 Great Women and uh, when... Sandra Day O'Connor retired from public life, I decided to do a video on all of the women of the Supreme Court, and I was going to wait until Ruth Bader Ginsburg retired to write hers so that her public life would be mostly complete, and that didn't get to happen. Yeah. Um, but both women and have spoken a lot about how they don't want the Supreme Court to dictate laws they want to judge and be in match with what the culture is doing um and to a certain extent i think that is right because it is the court's law the court's job is to interpret the constitution um not create culture mhm that's that's partially the job of legislators and partially the job of the president and the executive branch. Uh, but I don't know if I agree that like, had Roe versus Wade been not as extreme that we wouldn't have this controversy. I think this has always been controversial and probably always will be because it is such an insanely personal topic to so many people.
1: Yeah. I don't... Yeah. Would evangelicals have gone as hard? I don't know, because we can't change the past. Um, but Roe versus Wade was still extremely important and revolutionized abortion care in the United States um, for the better. So... I don't, I don't know if I agree with her um, entirely. And also, I don't know if I agree that the Supreme Court always has to be directly re- reflective of the culture. Um, because, I mean, as, as Ginsburg says in this, like, a ruling helped define the culture and a ruling in terms of... Uh, gay marriage helped define today's culture so
0: yeah i don't know my opinion is complicated (laughs) yeah i think there's a reason we have multiple supreme court justices and so we can get a lot of voices in on the conversation of interpreting our constitution Mm -hmm. so we can have that diversity um although it's not although it hasn't historically been very reflective of the country Uh, It is relatively reflective of who has power.
1: Um, However, uh, just because her opinion was complicated doesn't mean she believed that abortion access uh, wasn't a right that every person should have. Um, Even this year, um, Ginsburg was essential to protecting someone's right to choose. When in Louisiana, she took down arguments put forward by supporters of a Louisiana abortion access law that requires doctors to have admitting privileges at a hospital 30 miles away from the clinic, which is a little bit ridiculous. Um, We have seen absolutely ridiculous batshit laws, um, regarding abortion and abortion care occur over the years, and, um, when it has made it up to the Supreme Court, Ginsburg has historically been on the side of, um, abortion access. Ginsburg was just extremely important to protecting, um, abortion in this country, which is why, we see a lot of people um, panicking about it. I have seen threads on yeah. getting IUDs and um, stocking up on Plan B and all sorts of things because abortion's going to happen whether it's legal or not in this country. It just depends. The, what the Supreme Court decides is whether or not people have access to safe abortions
0: right now i would expect uh the supreme court if there is another person on the seat uh in the court nominated by donald trump i would expect they would strike down the rule uh from the affordable care act that requires health insurance plans to cover birth control which is why people are getting iud's now it's not because they don't have some form of birth control it's that they need something more permanent uh if they suddenly can't afford to get the pill or the patch or, uh, another form of birth control that I can't think of right now. So I think, I think we're gonna move on a little bit. Uh, if you want to know more about abortion rights, I think that was the very first episode we did over a year ago now. Yeah. We'll probably so get back to
1: feeling. it at some point. Um, but yeah. There's yeah. Like a lot going on this year. Yeah. I don't know if if you noticed, um, but this podcast we we've covered a lot, and there's and we f- we still feel like we haven't covered most things. So
0: <laughs> we have not covered so many things. Yeah, uh, the world is vast, and the issues keep coming.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of something we haven't covered, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Was an incredible figure, and um, we appreciate for her for all the good she's done. But um, that doesn't mean her record was without spots, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't criticize her where she deserves to be criticized. Um, and um, there was, is one specific case I want to get into um, about indigenous rights. The case was that uh, the Oneida Indian Nation uh, purchased uh, back land that the state of New York had illegally bought from them in the early 1900s, Um, and in accordance with the law, they stopped paying taxes on that land to the town because the land was part of their sovereign nation. Um, The town then started to foreclose on these lands, and the fight ended up in the Supreme Court. While... All the previous courts ruled in the Oneida Nation's favor. Uh, They lost in the Supreme Court in an 8-1 majority, which included Ginsburg. Um, And Ginsburg wrote the majority opinion. And part of that reads, given the longstanding non-Indian character of the area and its inhabitants, The regulatory authority constantly exercised by New York state and its counties and towns and the Oneida's long delay in seeking judicial relief against parties other than the United States, we hold that the tribe cannot unilaterally revive its ancient sovereignty in whole or in part over the parcels at issue. Um, So as a person who knows people that live in occupied territories not just in the united states but in other parts of the world it is very difficult to read that a people's land is no longer their own because it was occupied for too long or that they just waited too long to reclaim it especially considering the united states history with um native americans and the way they've been treated
0: I think there's a reason we started off this episode by talking about how Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a person, because people are complicated, and uh, we're not always going to agree with them. And right now, we can honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we can memorialize her, we can try to live out some of the values she stood for that we also stand for, but like that doesn't mean that she was a perfect person or was right all the time, or lived a, like, consistent, morally pure life that would have gotten into her into the good place instantly without any problems. She was just a person.
1: Yeah. Um, exactly. She was a person, and she had major flaws, and, um, yeah, we just didn't think it was right to only talk about the good in her. Because that would place her on an unfair pedestal.
0: I, I do really look up to uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and like have admired her for pretty much my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, much to the chagrin of my Republican parents, <laughs> but uh, the fact is, I don't. I don't think she was a perfect person. I think she was a probably very lovely person that fiercely loved her community, who was smart and accomplished and caring. And did her best. And sometimes her best wasn't good enough. And it's okay to say that.
1: Yeah. And it's okay to realize that sometimes people in power don't extend their empathy to everyone. Because they really don't. It's okay to understand that and realize that and still admire their good qualities. And I think that's necessary. There's no such thing as a purely good person or a purely bad person. There are just people...
0: Not to get too political on this politics podcast, (laughs) um, but I think that's also why we like to remind everyone that, like, Joe Biden is our first choice now. He's not, he was not our first choice in the primary. He's not a perfect mythical candidate, but none of them were. They're just people we chose, and people that we think are going to do a good job, and are going to set us on a path towards being a more perfect union built on equal justice for all. They don't need to be perfect people to do that.
1: Exactly. We've talked a lot about uh, Justice Ginsburg's wins uh, so far in this podcast, but I think it's really important to talk about this particular loss. In the year 2000, uh, Justice Ginsburg wrote a very powerful dissent in one of the pivotal cases in her time on court, uh, Bush versus Gore. Um which resulted in George W. Bush's win in the 2000 presidential election. Um, The majority criticized and then shut down a recount by Florida officials, um, and Ginsburg would have allowed that recount to continue. We would have had a fairer election that way. And the world would probably
0: look extremely different. Yes, the world would look, like, radically different, uh, had the recount continued, but, you know, the world would have looked radically different based on any of these Supreme Court decisions, and sometimes we don't get lucky.
1: Yeah, sometimes we don't get lucky, sometimes. But you still have to keep fighting, and you still have to write your words, and you still have to express your disagreement and disapproval of what is going on. And I think that's really important.
0: I like that the Supreme Court writes the majority opinion and also releases a dissent. What the right thing to do is not usually very clear. Uh, There's usually a lot of gray areas in what is the morally right and perfect thing to do, and what is ethical, and that's why we got four seasons of The Good Place, because it's complicated. <laughs> um, And I think it's valuable to ha- hear from people that disagree with you. I think it's valuable that we get to hear the opinions not just from the majority opinion of people, but from people that disagree with decisions. And I think that's a lot of what our podcast is founded on saying what we believe to be the right thing to do even if we can't always fulfill that and even if we
1: don't know you know the only thing we can do is understand ourselves and our beliefs and try our level best to fit that into the situation we have in front of us and sometimes it doesn't always work and that being said let's move on to a game okay (laughs) okay Yeah, we haven't done a game. Have we ever done a game on this podcast?
0: I don't think we've ever done a game. Okay, this is a first for On Your Left. Uh, This game is called Guess the Hypocrite. I'm going to read two statements from multiple senators, and you're going to guess which senator it is. The first statement will be something they said in 2016, uh, when a Supreme Court vacancy became available that President Obama should have filled. And in 2020, when a Supreme Court vacancy is c- currently available, and how they felt about the current president, or the presidents that would be elected in the election, uh, fulfilling and filling that Supreme Court vacancy.
1: Okay, Um. is it okay if I have a list of senators up, because I don't remember all their names?
0: <laughs> you can absolutely pull up a list of senators. Uh... These are all people who were Senators in 2016 and in 2020, uh, so they have the pretty much the same amount of power. Mhm. They just have a different President okay. in charge. quick
1: question. Uh... Yes? Is the likelihood of all of them having had pissed me off very high? I'd say it's relatively high. Okay, okay. Then I probably know who they are.
0: <laughs> in 2016, this Senator said, I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Senator name, said let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And in 2020, they are now saying, I will support President, at real Donald Trump, in any effort to move forward regarding the recent vacancy created by the passing of Justice Ginsburg. Because yes, They made this statement on Twitter because that is how we release all policy statements now. Ah, Okay. Okay. So,
1: it is either Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham. And I only know that because I saw the video of this. But their faces are so freaking similar. I think it was Mitch McConnell. I'm gonna say Mitch McConnell.
0: Oh, no, No, it was was Lindsey Graham. Graham. Ah. You were so so close, close. so close. All right, but now, you know, none of the next three are Lindsey (laughs) Graham. Moving forward in 2016, this senator said in the midst of a critical election, the American people deserve to have a say in this important decision that will impact the course of our country for years to come. And in July of 2020, before there was any vacancy on the Supreme Court, they said they would support hearings for any Trump nominee this year. Hmm. Let me reread the
1: first one.
0: I think this is maybe the- this is probably the one that you haven't been personally mad at.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Pat Roberts didn't say anything yet, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Rand is obnoxious. Um. I feel like Rand Paul- Marsha Blackburn wasn't in the Senate. Uh.
0: Marsha Blackburn also hasn't heard of amendments, though, so who knows? (laughs) Who cares what she thinks?
1: Yeah, okay. Ted Cruz has pissed me off. um, By virtue of his existence. Um, Hmm. hmm. I think? And they're currently in office, too.
0: Yes, currently in office. They have the same amount of power. The only thing that's changed is who the president is. Okay.
1: Um, um, uh... Oh, God. Could it be Susan Collins? Could it... Could, uh, oof. No. No. Rick Scott is... Has pissed... Is, is, is quite the idiot. So is... I, I, oh, my God. I hate all of them, though. all right do you give up this is so difficult um i'm gonna i'm gonna say rand paul
0: unfortunately no it was not Rand paul this senator is joni ernst of iowa who is currently uh in an election cycle she could be defeated this year by teresa greenfield who has not said such hypocritical things in 2016, this senator said, The American people should have a voice in this election of their next Supreme Court Justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. And in 2020, this senator said, President Trump's nominee will receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate.
1: Well, that was Mitch. I think. Yeah. yep, yeah, that was Mitch.
0: <laughs> I hate him. You are correct. That is Mitch McConnell. <laughs> The Senate Majority Leader, who is the only one who gets to decide if they get brought to a yeah, vote. Oh
1: um, uh, my god, I cannot believe he has been in charge of what gets to be voted on for
0: so long. Uh, in addition to being the Senate Majority Leader, he is also up for re-election and could lose not only his uh, Senate Majority, but also his Senate seat to Amy McGrath. Let's
1: do it. Let's, let's 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 volunteer and give our dollars to Amy McGrath.
0: Go, Kentucky. Don't disappoint me this time. <laughs> our last hypocrite of this game is in twenty sixteen this senator said This should be a decision for the people. Let the election decide. If the Democrats wanna replace this nominee, they need to win the election. And in twenty twenty this senator is saying I believe that the president should next week nominate a successor to the court, and I think it is critical that the Senate takes up and confirms that successor before Election Day. Before Election Day.
1: Well, I hate them, whoever it is. Is is it? Is it Ted? Is it Ted?
0: It is Ted! Yeah. Ted Cruz of Texas, who... Also, before (laughs) Justice Ginsburg died, was recently added to the shortlist of potential Supreme Court nominees that Donald Trump would nominate. Shouldn't you, like, have to- shouldn't
1: you, like, have a better resume than Ted Cruz in order to be considered to be a Supreme Court justice nominee?
0: I don't know, man. I don't- (laughs)
1: You know, I stress a lot about job applications that I'm underqualified for. Maybe I shouldn't.
0: I think it's fair to say that Ted Cruz is as qualified as Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, true. Ugh. You know what? I don't want to think about it anymore. That was our <laughs> game of Guess the Hypocrite.
1: Oh, God. America, please fix,
0: your, fix yourself.
1: And on that note, oh God.
0: let's talk about how we can act. Because this is, this is the part where we could actually take action and think about our future in light of the terrible world we live in now. There are
1: only 40 days till the November 3rd election. um, Less than six weeks away from the November 3rd election. Uh, If you have money to spare, donate to the Joe Biden presidential campaign or to a Senate campaign. There's Sarah Gideon in Maine, Teresa Greenfield in Iowa, Steve Bullock in Montana, Mark Kelly in Arizona, Doug Jones in Alabama, Amy McGrath in Kentucky, and so many more. So many more. We can flip the Senate. We can do it. Again, uh, like with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you don't have to agree with every single thing all of these people have said in order to um, want them to win and help them win this election so that we can get even better people next time.
0: And I completely understand if you don't have money to donate to these candidates. I don't have money to donate to these candidates right now, but you might have time. If you have time you can give, sign up to phone bank or text bank or send postcards and do direct voter outreach and tell people about a candidate that you believe in and encourage them to vote. It's so important.
1: This election has always been extremely important, Um, and with uh, Justice Ginsburg's passing, it is all the more important. Another thing you can do uh, is call your senators to ensure that they will not approve of a new justice if um, this justice is trying to get confirmed before the election, or... During a lame a potential lame duck period, we do not want a new justice before the election.
0: A lot of our country operates on precedents, <laughs> and uh, Mitch McConnell set a precedent in twenty sixteen. So, if it was constitutional and right to do that in twenty sixteen, we shouldn't act like it's suddenly not because a different party is in power. Uh, To quote Emma Gonzalez, we call BS.
1: We call BS on that. Um, Yeah, and this is the same Mitch McConnell who, as we just saw, just went back on his word in 2016 and wants to uh, speed run through the Supreme Court nomination process because Republicans are currently in power. We don't want that. And, okay, also, just to add... um, This is six weeks before an election. Um, Merrick Garland was nominated months before an election. Months and months.
0: Most of the statements I gave from 2016 were statements that they made uh, six to eight months before the election because Anthony Scalia died eight months before the election. Look, if you can't call your senators for some reason, personally, I have phone anxiety, so I like to... uh, Leave a voicemail with my name and zip code clearly stated at the beginning of the voicemail to confirm I am a constituent. Uh, and then I just read off of a script that I write beforehand. But if you don't feel like you can do that, you can also text RBG to 50409. to have ResistBot send a message to your senators on your behalf?
1: Please do something. Yeah, uh, ResistBot is honestly... So simple to use. Um, And, like, I just before we started recording, I asked Katrina because um, I had heard that ResistBot wasn't great to use because um, your uh, messages immediately get filtered out. But it sounds like they don't. You want to explain that for a sec?
0: Congressional offices are busy places. (laughs) And there are a few major ways that you can usually... In normal times reach out to them you can go to the office in person I would not advise doing that right now because corona uh, but that is one thing you can do and that is rated very highly uh, because it is a hard thing to do and you're going out of your way to do it so you might be taken a little bit more seriously and be a little bit more annoying if you do that uh, the next level down uh, for how you're message will be uh considered is a phone call a phone call is something you have to take time out of your day to do uh they're kind of annoying fewer people actually want to talk on the phone nowadays so they'll be weighted a little bit more heavily (laughs) next is uh emails faxes uh letters because they take less effort they're weighted less heavily now every single message you send does absolutely reach your representatives i don't want you to think that doesn't happen But uh, congressional offices and Senate offices do favor things that they know take more effort. They will respond, they are more likely to respond uh, when you annoy them more. When you make their job overwhelming because their voicemail is full every day when they get into the office, or when they have to constantly rush to pick up the phones because constituents can't get through because we are flooding their office with calls, they're going to take notice of that and they are going to respond. So be annoying. (laughs) If you can be a persistent, annoying person on behalf of justice, do it. I have nine siblings and I know each of them are uniquely equipped for this (laughs) moment.
1: Yeah, I'm was. i I'm a younger sister. I know how to be annoying, so I'm gonna be annoying about this.
0: Tell your friends, if they're not willing to make a call, they'll probably be willing to once again text RBG50409 to have ResistBot send a message to their representatives on their behalf.
1: Just do it. I'm not going to shout at you like Shia Buff does, but just do it.
0: We know this has been a sad episode, and uh like all of our episodes we're gonna end on some good things because we talk about really serious issues, but that doesn't mean that's all that's going on in our lives. Uh so what is your good news this week, Norelli? So my good news is um very exciting.
1: Uh the Miss Marvel comics have been one of my favorite things to read the last few years. Um And uh, the main character is a Pakistani, New Jersey American uh, named Kamala Khan. And um, yes, the name should sound familiar because uh, hopefully our next vice president will share that first name. Um, (laughs) But um, a TV series is going to happen um, based on Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel specifically. Um, And the pakistani filmmaker Sharmin obeid janoy and an indian filmmaker named amira menon are cho- have been chosen to helm the series uh which is amazing it's amazing to see two female south asians direct a show about a female south asian um and one of them is an oscar winner Sharmin obeid janoy she has won twice and is the first and only Pakistani to win an Academy Award. And um, Menon uh, has worked in both the Marvel Cinematic Universe before and the DC Extended Universe, Expanded Universe, the DCEU before. Um, so they're going to make a great superhero show. I cannot wait to watch it. Gamla Khan is one of my favorite Marvel characters ever. I'm very excited.
0: I am also very excited I don't purchase a lot of books, I am very much so a library lover, Uh, but anytime we visit our uh, local comic book shops on, say, Free Comic Book Day in May every year, I do make a point of always making at least one purchase because they have a lot of great sales that day and I want to support my small businesses that are local to me. And Ms. Marvel is one of the very few series that I have the full run of. It is very important to me. It is also the book that I wrote my thesis on so I could graduate with a bachelor's degree. I love her a lot.
1: If you go to bookshop.org slash shop slash on your left pod, you should be able to purchase the Miss Marvel comics yourself. Um, They are fantastic and um, purchasing from our little bookshop.org shop would help us a ton.
0: We are both very much so readers, uh, that's a lot of how we became friends, and we're really excited to share this series with you. It's so much
1: fun, it's very New Jersey, it's very Jersey City, which I love about it.
0: So I think this is a piece of like, mutual good news uh, for our next thing. I am. So I'm gonna play a uh, 10 second ad, right now.
1: we We still aren't sponsored by this campaign, by the way
0: if i lose to him i don't know what i'm gonna do i will never speak to you again you'll never see me again. i'm joe biden and i approve this message our good news is that joe biden has made the perfect ad yeah it's so good it's so funny
1: like we ding joe biden a lot for a lot of things but um this ad is good
0: joe biden hired excellent staff he has excellent digital he is an Excellent uh, rapid response video team as well, but specifically this ad that is so to the point and is so perfect because it uses Trump- Donald Trump's exact words to give me what I want.
1: Yeah. Just and, real encouraging. And just like, if you if you get a chance to watch the video, it's perfect because it cuts from like Trump's frothing at the mouth tirade to just- a grinning Joe Biden saying, I'm Joe Biden I, and I approve this message.
0: I mean, first of all, Donald Trump threatened me with a good time, which is a lot different than the threats he usually gives me. Yeah. <laughs> but it also, it also it's a really nice contrast between them, and I know that this probably won't, like, persuade voters who were on the fence, but it might persuade voters who are thinking about not voting to vote, and I value that. Same. Ads don't have to reach everyone, but I think this was a good ad, and I like it.
1: Yeah. Please make more funny, pithy, to-the-point ads.
0: One last piece of good news, which is just personal good news. Uh, this morning I woke up, and I had exactly 100 followers on TikTok.
1: Nice. Oh, that's so exciting.
0: It's a, it's a good feeling because it's a nice, round number, and it's a good milestone. But just, it made me happy. Yeah. So no, that's awesome.
1: Just... I'm I'm glad TikTok is making you happy. Um f- I hope more you can reach more people on TikTok.
0: What is our mango fact this week, Neralee?
1: Okay. Our mango fact of the day is that giving someone a basket of mangoes is considered a gesture of friendship. Which is so nice. So, um if you want to be friends with someone and you're not sure how to how to really like start a conversation or like talk to them and you want to be friends just just give him a basket of mangoes
0: thank you so much to listening to the on your left podcast uh if you would like to find me i can be found on the internet at katrina Ames on youtube twitter twitch and tiktok where can we find you
1: uh you can find me at firewood sparkler on twitter and youtube and twitch you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com onyourleftpod.
0: This has been the On Your Left Podcast memorializing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. May her memory be a blessing and may we honor her legacy with our action.